0: Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your word, but Lord, we do recognise this morning that we need your help if we are to understand it, if we are to understand how it points us to Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you for the time that I've been able to spend this week preparing something to share with the people here this morning. Lord, we pray that you may help me to speak what is true. May your son be glorified by what I say. May dishonour not be brought upon his name but may he be honoured indeed. And we pray this in his name. Amen. Now I know that we all do lots of things with our lives and we make decisions every day, decisions that impact people in small ways, decisions that impact people in big ways. And sometimes the decisions that we make each day impact others in major ways. We can actually change the rest of their life for good or for evil. I reflect on some of the big decisions I've made in my life, decisions like to get married to Jill. That has made a major impact upon my life, but it's also made a major impact upon the life of Jill, either for good or for evil, I'll leave you to evaluate that, but I'm sure she would say it was a decision that has helped her, a decision that has been good for her to be married to me that I chose to marry her. And even decisions like to have children, of course, has a big impact upon the lives of the children themselves. And to go into the ministry, to decide to leave um, uh, podiatry research and go into the ministry has, of course, had an impact upon you here at Des Moines. And that decision has had profound ramifications for lots of people who have been in my life. Today we're going to be looking at a particular decision, a particular event in the life of Samson and how that event points to Jesus, particularly the events of their death. So the event of Samson's death and the event of Jesus' death and how that has a great impact upon the lives of others because Samson actually prefigures Christ in a number of different ways. Samson is someone that most of us know from a very young age. In children's uh, Bibles, he is usually there, and he is one of those stories that we like as children. I remember as a a child, particularly a a small boy, loving the idea of Samson and actually uh, being strong like Samson. I used to even um, breed budgerigars, and I named two of my budgerigars, Samson and Delilah, after the biblical characters, because I was just so taken with Samson. We know a lot about Samson, but the thing about Samson is, that you may not have ever thought about, is how he prefigures Christ. How he points us to Jesus Christ. Because so much of the Old Testament, as Jesus explains to his disciples, are, are about him. It's all pointing about, uh, the whole, whole of the Old Testament is pointing to Jesus Christ as our Saviour who was to come into the world. So the question for us this morning is, how did Samson prefigure Jesus Christ? How is Samson a type of Christ? And so that brings me to my first main point this morning. My first main point, which you can follow on the back of the church bulletin, they're all there, my main points. The first is, both Samson and Jesus were betrayed. Both Samson and Jesus were betrayed. And we see that with Samson, he was betrayed by a friend. We see rulers of God's enemies... Come and offer Samson's girlfriend, Delilah, silver for his betrayal. We see that in verse 4 of Judges chapter 16. I encourage you, if you've got a black church Bible, open it up to page 250. And we're going to be working through this passage. Judges chapter 16, verse 4, we see the betrayal of a friend arise. Verse 4, we read, Sometime later he, that Samson, fell in love with a woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. The rulers of the Philistines went to her and said, See if you can lure him into showing you the secret of his great strength and how we can overpower him, so we may tie him up and subdue him. Each one of us will give you 1,100 shekels of silver. And then down in verse 18, we see the Philistines making good on their promise. Verse 18, it says, When Delilah saw that he, Samson, had told her everything, she sent word to the rulers of the Philistines, Come back once more, he has told me everything. So the rulers of the Philistines returned with the silver in their hands. We see this offer made by God's enemies to a friend of Samson, a girlfriend, and they promise her money if she will betray her friend, Samson. And then we see her try repeatedly making these attempts to get out of Samson the secret to his strength so that she can betray him and give him over to the Philistines. And eventually she persists in doing so and is able to tell the secret of his great strength uh, well, to, to a friend who then cuts off his hair and he is subdued. And this points us to Jesus Christ as well. We know from the life of Jesus that he also was betrayed by a friend for silver, just like Samson was. We see in the New Testament that the rulers of God's enemies, the Pharisees, the religious leaders who should have been God's friends but were actually teaching false doctrine, were against God. And Jesus even says their father is Satan. We see these rulers come to one of Jesus' friends and offer him silver for the betrayal of Jesus. We read that in Matthew 26, for example, Matthew 26 verse 14. Then one of the twelve, the one called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests and asked, What are you willing to give me if I hand him over to you? So they counted out for him 30 silver coins. From then on, Judas watched for an opportunity to hand him over. So we see Samson was betrayed by a friend for silver and we see Jesus was betrayed by a friend for silver. How else does Samson prefigure Jesus, though? Well, that brings me to our second main point. Both Samson and Jesus were forsaken by God. Both Samson and Jesus were forsaken by God. We see Samson experiencing the forsaking of God by telling Delilah that his head has never been shaved as part of him being a Nazarite from birth. There was strict code of conduct for Nazarites as to what they can and can't do And one thing was that they weren't allowed to cut their hair. And he admits that uh, in verse 17 to Delilah. Verse 17 of Judges chapter 16 reads, So he, that is Samson, told her everything, no razor has ever been used on my head, he said, because I have been a Nazarite set apart to God since birth. If my head were shaved, my strength would leave me and I would become as weak as any other man. For Samson to do this, to have his head shaved, was sin because of the vow that had been taken. He had to keep his head from being cut. And so when he tells someone and then they cut his hair, sin has come upon Samson. And so God forsakes, leaves Samson as a result. In verse 20, we read, Then she, Delilah, called Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He awoke from his sleep and thought, I'll go out as before and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. The Lord had left him. God had forsaken him because of his sinfulness, because of this sinful action. I mean, you've got to look at the life of Samson, you see a lot of sin in his life. But this sinful action in particular was what, led to God forsaking Samson and leaving him and taking away his great strength. And this is a prefiguring of Jesus. Jesus also was forsaken by God. Jesus never sinned himself, but he did take sin upon himself at the cross. We read in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. Jesus took upon sin upon himself. And so then at the cross, he makes this remarkable statement. He calls out the words of Psalm 22. About the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi lama sabachthani, which means, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why had God forsaken him? Why had God left his son to die there on the cross? Because of sin because of the sin that was put upon Jesus' shoulders. Just like God left Samson because of his sin, so we see because of the sin that Jesus took upon himself, God forsakes him at the cross. So we've seen that Samson prefigures Jesus in being betrayed. We see that Samson prefigures Jesus in being forsaken by God as a result of sin. Thirdly, We see that Samson prefigures Jesus because both Samson and Jesus were humiliated by their enemies. Both Samson and Jesus were humiliated by their enemies. Samson was definitely humiliated by his enemies. We read what they do to him once his strength leads him from verse 21. Verse 21, we see, then the Philistines seized him, gouged out his eyes and took him down to Gaza. That's humiliating. To have your eyes taken out, it's one of the heights of humiliation that someone could do that to you and then still keep you alive. They could remove your sight from you. And then they do only, not only do that, they don't take his eyes out, then give him the best medical care and look after him. No, what do we read? Verse 21, it says, Binding him with bronze shackles, they set him to grinding in the prison. He's being treated like an animal, grinding grain moving round and round in endless circles, grinding out grain like an animal would. And that's a humiliating thing to do. When any, whenever anyone treats you as an animal, it is a sign of utmost contempt towards you. And that's what they did to Samson. They treated him like an animal. And then they brought him out to entertain them while they're at their religious worship. They mocked him to his face, in large number, laughing at him. We read that in verse 25. While they were in high spirits, they shouted, Bring out Samson to entertain us. So they called Samson out of the prison, and he performed for them. The word there to describe the entertainment is laughing. They were laughing at him, mocking him. They looked at him, and instead of pitting him without his eyes, they laughed at him, they mocked him. So Samson was indeed humiliated by his enemies. And when we look at the life of Christ, we see that Jesus also was humiliated by his enemies as well. Now, Jesus' eyes weren't gouged out, but he endured a much worse torture, much greater pain in his death. They crucified him. One of the most excruciating things you can do to a human being is to crucify them. And we see that Jesus was humiliated bodily in that way. While he was being humiliated in the shameful uh, death that he's experiencing, the painful death, we see that people even mock him as well. Just like they mock Samson, we see people mocking Jesus in the state, the bodily state that he is in. And we read that in Matthew chapter 27 before. We read, they stripped him, that's Jesus, and put a scarlet robe on him and then twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on his head. They put a staff in his right hand and knelt before in front of him and mocked him, Hail, King of the Jews. What are they doing there? They're dressing him up like a king, but not quite. And then they're pretending, you claim you're King of the Jews. Okay, you're King of the Jews. And they're saying, Hail to him. They're making fun of him. They're laughing at him as they're getting ready to crucify him. And then we read further in Matthew 27, it says they spit on him. One of the other most humiliating things you can do to someone. We train our children from a young age. It is one of the most offensive things you can do to somebody else is to spit on them. It is never appropriate to spit on someone. But here we see with Jesus Christ, they're spitting on him. They take that staff that they had mocked him with, they gave it to him as though he was king and that was his scepter, and then they strike him on the head again and again. And after they had mocked him, they took off the robe, put his own clothes on him, and then they led him away to crucify him, to humiliate him with that shameful, public, painful death. And then it's not as though the mocking then finished. What do we read as Jesus is being crucified? Matthew chapter 27, verse 39, we read, Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, You who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. Come down from the cross if you are the Son of God. They are mocking him. They know what he has taught, that he has claimed to be the Son of God. And instead of bowing the knee to him, they're mocking him as he hangs there on the cross. And that's not as 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 though that's not enough. We see even the religious leaders come past and make comments as well. In Matthew 27, we read, In the same way the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the elders mocked him. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. He's the king of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross and we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God rescue him now if he wants him. For he said, I am the son of God. They humiliated Jesus. They mocked him. They laughed at him. They ridiculed him. They insulted him as he was going through that painful bodily experience of dying. So we see that Samson prefigured Jesus by being betrayed. We see that Samson prefigured Jesus by being forsaken by God. We see Samson prefiguring Jesus by being humiliated by his enemies. What's another way that we see Jesus prefigure, uh, that Samson prefigured Jesus? Well, that brings me to my fourth main point this morning. Both Samson and Jesus accomplished much in their deaths. Samson prefigures Christ, yes, in many ways, but particularly he prefigures Christ's death. Samson accomplished much with his life. Yes, he defeated the the Philistines, the enemies of God, many times in his life. You can go back and read in Judges. If you don't know the story of Samson, you can read about all that he accomplished. But Samson killed more of God's enemies. He killed more of the Philistines in his death than in his life. If you've got the Bible open there, Judges chapter 16, we read in verse 29, verse 29 of Judges 16. Then Samson reached toward the two central pillars on which the temple stood, bracing himself against them, his right hand on the one and his left hand on the other. Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. Then he pushed with all his might and down came the temple on the rulers and all the people in it. Thus he killed many more when he died than while he lived. He killed so many people that day. We read that they'd gathered in verse 27. Who had gathered? It says in verse 27, Now the temple was crowded with men and women. All the rulers of the Philistines were there. And on the roof were about 3,000 men and women watching Samson perform. There were many people there. And Samson killed them in his death. So he was able to conquer much more of the Philistines, many more of the Philistines in his death than in his life. And he was able to bring down their temple of false worship. Remember, this is their great God, Dagon, his temple, and they're at worship of him. We read that in verse 23 and 24. That's why they assembled. It says, Now the rulers of the Philistines assembled to offer a great sacrifice to Dagon, their God, and to celebrate, saying, Our God has delivered Samson, our enemy, into our hands. When the people saw him, they praised their God, saying, Our God has delivered our enemy into our hands, the one who laid waste our land and multiplied our slain. And then at the height of their religious worship, Samson brings down the pillars and brings down the whole temple upon the people. And so he proves who has been delivered into whose hands. Is it Samson who has been delivered by Dagon into the hands of the Philistines or is it the Philistines who have been delivered by God into the hands of Samson there? It's quite clearly God who is at work. God is greater than Dagon. If Dagon exists, he is not a God like the God of Samson. And this is in the Philistine home territory. They took him down to Gaza. This is not Israelite territory. This is where the Philistine God should reign supreme. But instead, we see the God of Israel reigning supreme. And Samson is not only able to kill many Philistines, he's able to bring down a temple of false worship. Consider the size of that temple. If there's 3,000 people on the roof, that was a pretty major temple. That was a pretty major investment of the Philistines. And yet, in one blow, what does Samson do? He not only destroys the Philistines, all the leaders are there, and many of the Philistines, but he destroys a temple a way of false worship, of worshipping Dagon instead of the Creator. And so with one blow we read that he accomplished much more with his death. He accomplished uh, with his life than he accomplished much more with his death than with his life. And Samson is able to avenge himself on the Philistines. Does this point us to Jesus Christ? Yes it does. Jesus accomplished much in his death. Much in his death. In his life, yes, Jesus defeated his enemies of sin and Satan repeatedly. In his life, he was always casting out demons, always healing sick people, releasing people from bondage to Satan. But with his death, Jesus defeated sin and death itself and Satan all with one blow like never before. We read in Hebrews chapter 2, Verse 14. Hebrews 2.14 it says, Since the children have flesh and blood, he, that is Jesus, too shared in their humanity, so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death. Who's that? Well, Hebrews 2 tells us that is the devil. And free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. What was Jesus doing at his death? He was Defeating Satan, he was destroying Satan and he was setting free people who are held in slavery by their fear of death. You have to search hard amongst the human race to find someone who's not afraid of death. Everybody fears their death. They fear the unknown. They don't want to die. Why? Because Satan has us in bondage to fear of death. But Jesus with his death set us free from fear of death. Many Christians will honestly tell you that they look forward to their death. They're no longer afraid of death because they've been set free from that by Jesus' death. And why is that? Because our sins have been paid for. Jesus conquered sin at the cross. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24 says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sins... And live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you are returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Jesus took your sin upon him so that you can die to sin. Sin is no longer a problem for you. The punishment that accompanies sin is no longer something that is held over you, but instead you can live for righteousness. And that is why, because of Jesus' death. He was able to conquer sin at the cross. And so as though it looks like somehow Jesus has been handed over into the hands of the religious leaders, into the hands of God's enemies, and they are the winners. When Jesus is hanging on the cross, who looks like they're winning? It looks like it is the religious leaders. It looks like it is the Romans that are the winners over Jesus Christ. But who is actually winning? It is Jesus. With his death, he is accomplishing so much. He is accomplishing healing for generation after generation of people. Healing for us here today. By his wounds, we have been healed from sin. How do we know, though, that that has happened? How do we know that Jesus has indeed done that? Well, we know that by the fact that Jesus was raised from the dead. John 2 verse 19 says, Jesus answered the people, destroy this temple and I'll raise it again in three days. Destroy this temple, this body, which remembered, uh, Samson destroyed a temple with his death. Jesus' body was destroyed at death, but it was then raised to life. And so we can know that by Jesus' resurrection, he has indeed accomplished what he said he would. If Jesus has never been raised to life, then we should be afraid of death. We should be afraid of the consequences of our sin. But if Jesus has been raised to life, then there is no longer fear of death because if we follow what he says, then he proves that he has power to raise us too and that he has indeed destroyed sin in his body for us, that sin is dead in him, that our sin died with him so that we could die to sin and live for righteousness. So Jesus is far greater than Samson. Samson points to Jesus as the greater deliverer. And he points to Jesus in many ways, but he shows us that Jesus is far greater as well. Samson was a flawed man. It wasn't just his head, they got shaved, and that was Samson's only sin. You read the story about Samson, as we read this morning. We see his sexual immorality, even in this one chapter. He was a flawed man. He did many things wrong. He t- touched dead animals when he wasn't supposed to either as a Nazarite. We see him as a flawed man in this part of the Bible. And Samson did accomplish much with his death, but Jesus accomplished much more. All grace towards us, all mercy that we experience comes because of Christ's death. The reason we had rain this morning is because of Christ's death. Common grace can only be shown to us because of Christ's death. Otherwise, God is unjust to send rain upon this land to sinners. He is being merciful when he shouldn't be. He should be upholding justice. But because of Christ's death, all grace can be shown to us And generation after generation of people can be healed from their sin. Samson is indeed the final judge in the book of Judges. But he's not the final judge. The final judge is Jesus Christ. He is the one. He is the one who is the greater deliverer. He delivers more people by his death than Samson ever did. Samson is a great hero. And I know as children we love to read about Samson. He does some pretty amazing things. But we should see Samson and then compare him with Christ and love Jesus even more. Jesus did more amazing things in his life than Samson did. Just consider some of the miracles that he did. Samson never raised anyone from the dead, Samson never fed 5,000 people with a few loaves, Samson never walked on water. Jesus did those things, but then even with his death, Jesus accomplished much more than Samson did. So we need to trust in Jesus for our deliverance as our judge. Don't look for a Samson in your life. I know that before you become a Christian, we look for other people to help us. We look for ourselves to help us. We like to think we're independent or we get other people around us. We're looking for a Samson in our lives. And that's all you'll ever find is a Samson at best, someone who has problems, if you're looking to other people, you'll find someone who has problems, yes, like Samson did, may be able to accomplish some things for your life, but ultimately, they can't do what Christ did. Jesus is the only one who never sinned. He is the only one without flaws. He is the only one who can truly conquer sin in your life. And so you need to look to him. Look to Christ. And I encourage you, if you've never done that, if you've never trusted in Jesus Christ, do it today. Don't trust in a Samson. You may think you're the Samson. You're the strong one. You're able to do much. It's not true. You can't do what Jesus Christ did. You aren't better than Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the only one. He is the only final judge. He is the only final deliverer. He is the one who can rescue us from our sin problem, as no one else can. And I encourage you, if you've never trusted in Jesus Christ as your judge, as your deliverer, then do it this morning. Pray to God. I ask for you to be, that Jesus Christ be the payment for our sins, that he be my saviour, that he be Lord of my life. Do it now, don't delay. So that you too can be rescued from your sin, that you too can die to sin And live for righteousness. By his wounds, you too can be healed. You were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Let us speak to our God now. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for the life of Samson that we can read about in your word. We thank you for the great and marvelous things you did in him by your Holy Spirit, that again and again he conquered your enemies. And even in his death, he was able to avenge you, avenge your name against Dagon and all those Philistines. But Lord, we thank you that Jesus is a far better judge, that Jesus did far more marvellous things in his life than Samson, and Jesus did far more, more in his death than Samson did with his. We thank you that Jesus, by his death, has conquered death itself, has conquered Satan, has conquered our sin. So, Lord, we pray that we may look to him as the final judge, as the final deliverer. May we look to no one else. May we look not to ourselves. May we look not to other people. May we look not to false gods. But may we look to Jesus Christ and know that we have eternal life because... He has granted it to us by his death. And we pray this in his name. Amen.